Couple of things uh, that you need to know, I think, if in, in times of reflection like this, graduates, and let's just say teenagers in general, older, as you, you, you go here, some things that are helpful that I wish that I would have known. Learn how to do your laundry very quickly, okay? There's some rules with laundry. You can wear underwear for two days, max, <laughs> but that's it, all right? At that point, you can turn it inside out. However, it's not advised. But if you do, the two-day rule applies for that as well. Um, if you're asking yourself the question, should you post something on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, if you're saying, should I do that, the answer is absolutely not. Do not. Push the don't post button. But I will tell you this. I think it's a good idea to take as many pictures of yourself right now as possible because look around. You're only going to get uglier, okay? <laughs> This is the prime of your life, okay? You're going to look back, I guarantee, in 20 years, and you're going to say, man, those clothes, that hair, those shoes, that were hideous. But man, I looked good. <laughs> you won't say that about yourself 20 years from now. All right, something else, tattoos, really popular, really popular these days. A friend of mine, I think, got one this weekend. Interesting, very cool. But be very careful what tattoos you get, okay? Think it through longer than you take to order a meal at McDonald's, okay? Think about it just a little bit. This unfortunate person said, you know what? Chinese symbol, chicken noodles. I love chicken noodle soup, but I'm not going to put it on the back of my back mistakenly, okay? Think about the bands that you might, oh, I love this band now. One Direction, they're awesome. They're not going to be that cool in 30 years, I promise, or that girlfriend or boyfriend, all right? Ask Johnny Depp about Winona Ryder uh, and how that turned out, okay? Getting the tattoo of, of a name like that. Another thing is this. Last thing, just kind of practical advice. Now is a great time to change your name. If you always say, you know what? I don't like my name. When you move and go to another place, now you can say, well, my friends, they call me blank, okay? Now, if you do that any other time in your life, you just kind of look a little crazy, okay? But if you do it now, it's a perfect transition. If you have a name like Pickaboo Street, remember her from the Olympics, I think? She had to get tired of Pickaboo, Pickaboo all the time of her life. There's a baseball player. His name is Coco Crisp. I can't make that up. Coco Crisp. So now's the time to do that kind of stuff. But hopefully you'll remember that. But this time in the year is, it's about graduates. And uh, you know that if you lived in Barker, Cyprus, uh, it's all about graduates in the Berry Center uh, this weekend. And it's about the moments where you're really thinking about these kind of pivotal things that are happening and you're excited and your roller coaster emotions. But it's about parents and they're really going through a roller coaster emotions right now. And on the outside, keeping it all together, but on the inside, it just takes one little word and tears are flowing everywhere. And you wish, you wish you could go back, maybe to those moments where things weren't so serious and your kids were eating boogers and sticking fries in their nose and simpler times when, when things are a little easier. Maybe you're here today and you are a recent grad. You're like, I remember that. Just a few years ago, I, w I was there. Or maybe you're a parent that in just a few years, you're going to be like parents this weekend that are thinking, man, that's time's flying. 10 years from now, Noah's going to, or 11 or 12, Noah's going to be graduating. <laughs> He's not in here, is he? No. Uh, <laughs> 
He's going to be gradual. I'm gonna, I've been thinking through this this weekend. Maybe you're processing, man, that's, it's coming quickly. Or maybe you're just in a time of transition. And that's what this is about, this big transition moments of life, a, a job, a move, a various things as we transition in, in, in life. And it causes us to kind of be reflective. I, I saw a recent survey that they surveyed 50 people that are 95 years of the age and older. And they said, what are some things that you would do differently if you could go back? And the three things, big things they said was, was this, reflect more. I would take more time to reflect and be in the moment and, and process things instead of just go, go, go. Take more risk. Take more risk in, in life and do the things, kind of like what Eddie was saying, go for it sometimes. And the third thing was do more things for others that would live on after I'm gone. Three, three huge things. And kind of interweave, we'll, we'll be talking a little bit about that this morning. I was pretty reflective a couple of weeks ago. I take an annual trip with some buddies. Uh, we go to Nashville where I went to, to college. And uh, there we are, uh, much older now. It's been ooh, uh, many years since we graduated. Uh, but we play golf together, a lot of golf. And we, we reminisce about stories and things that, we, things that we did in college and other times. And they're great friends. We've had a lot of great memories through the years. And uh, we play for this green jacket. And it's kind of a big deal, but it's only worth $3 from a thrift store. But that jacket, it means more than anything when you win the green jacket, uh, the Masters, Trebekah Masters. Uh, that's kind of our, our little thing. And, uh, but this year was a little different. A uh, couple of things just jumped in, and we had a couple of incidents where it were difficult to overcome. I, they lost my, Southwest lost my golf clubs uh, on the first day, so I had to, to borrow some clubs. And then our last day, the kind of the finality, it was totally rained out. We didn't get to play. It was a bummer. And uh, so we came together. We're sitting in this house, and it's raining. And, uh, you know, it forced us to talk even more about life and share stories about our kids. And uh, as, as it would have it, uh, we suddenly just started praying together. There were some things that in our conversation led us to prayer. We prayed for some friends that, to be quite honest, have, have fallen away from the Lord and are, are struggling right now, and our hearts are broken for them, and we cried uh, a lot for those folks. I'm a crier. That happens, as you know that, if you know me. We cried for friends. We lifted their names up. We, we prayed for kids. We prayed for the future. We prayed that God would, would help us to be strong in this generation, that we would be faithful in this generation. We, we prayed for each other, and we had this, just this moment, and we need those moments where we just kind of, we, we soak in the moment, and we, we lift them to God, and, and we think about what's to come. Paul was in one of these moments. In Acts chapter 20, hopefully you're, you've got a Bible this morning. If you don't, it's on the screen. Acts chapter 20, Paul is about to head toward Jerusalem. He feels like the Spirit is leading him that direction, and he knows that this is going to be the last chance that he gets to talk to some people. He's, he's talking to the churches that he helped to, to, to start along the way. And there's one church in particular that you never want to have like favorite kids or favorite churches, but this church that he, he, he just loved the church in Ephesus. I would say it was probably his favorite. He, he loved the people there, was passionate, was just poured his life into these people. And so he, he calls the, the, the people together and he wants to give them this kind of final, final things that you want to say. These things before, before you leave, before we take off and don't see each other for a while, I want, to, I want to pour my life into you. All the things that, you know, if you're a parent, look both ways and don't eat 
you know, this or that, or do your line, you know, all these things that you would pour into your kids before, before they're gone. And in fact, in one of my favorite stories, Acts chapter 20, verse 7, is Paul, and he's preaching away to this church, and there is this, this young guy that's in the window seal. Do you know the story? Eutychus. He is preaching so much, it's midnight, so really long, and this guy falls asleep in the window seal, falls three-story, and he dies, Okay. That's how he dies. But then Paul rushes down and he prays for him and the boy comes back to life. Woohoo! And they all go back inside and they eat more food and Paul preaches some more. And uh, they, he preaches till the sun comes up. That's how much he was like, I gotta, I gotta get all this out. I've gotta tell you before we're, I'm gone. And so that's kind of the, the, where we're at here. And Paul, he calls the people together. We're in Acts 20 and it, we'll start with 17. It says this. But when he landed at uh, Miltus, he sent a message to the elders of the church of Ephesus, asking them to come and meet him. When they arrived, he declared, you know that from that, the day that I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I've endured the trials that came to me from the, the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and, and Greeks alike, the necessity of, represent, of repenting from sin and turning to God and having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me there, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. For I did not shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So guard yourself and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church. Purchase with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. I know that false teachers, like vicious wolves, will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day and with many tears for you. And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those who he has set apart for himself. I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had finished speaking, he knelt and he prayed with them. They all cried as they embraced and they kissed him goodbye. They were sad most of all because he said that they would never see him again. Then they escorted him down to the ship. So here's this story. Paul's pouring into these people and he's trying to get in these last words and last thoughts and last things of don't forget this. This is important. And there's some things I think we can all take from this, this, this sermon, this speech that he gives to the church in Ephesus. Some things I think just jumped off the page at me. One of the things he says is, I, I never shrunk back 
from telling you what you needed to hear. I never was afraid to tell you the thing that you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. And I think if Paul was with us today, he would speak to graduates and to parents and to us that I hope that you live a life with courage and conviction. I hope that you live a life of courage and conviction in in everything that you do. Uh, There was a girl in my high school, and I look back uh, on a situation, uh, and uh, it's kind of haunted me a little bit, and I've, I've, I've Giving it to, the, to God now, but it's one that I just remember pretty vividly in, in school. There's a girl named Jennifer, and uh, she was a girl that just really had no self-awareness in the way that she acted, the way she talked, and the way that she dressed. And uh, she had really thick glasses and became a, a very just big target for kids making fun of her when I was in school. And it just was, and a lot of times she was so unaware that she didn't even know she was being made fun of. And uh, secretly, I kind of befriended this girl and would invite her uh, when it was convenient to our table in the lunchroom and to various things to just try to, to include her. But when the moments were the hardest, when there were groups around uh, hurling insults and things, I got to be honest, I was nowhere to be found. And it wasn't that I didn't know it was happening. I just avoided the situation. One time in particular, I remember we had these dan- a dance at our school. We had those back there in the middle of the day. Uh, I don't know if this is a South Carolina thing, but there was a dance at, at school. And uh, this girl, Jennifer, uh, she was encouraged by this group of, of kind of jerks that were there to, to get out and, and to dance and to kind of, you know, you have the big circle and, and you're, the person is dancing in, in front of everyone. And it was brutal. Uh, she begins to just dance, and these kids are making fun of her, and uh, she would fall on her knees. I remember falling on her knees because she thought that, that, I don't know if she saw like the split someone do while dancing and thought that she, that would happen. Her knees began to bleed, but she just heard these false cheering cheers from the crowd, Jennifer, Jennifer, but they weren't cheering for her. They were making fun of her, and the whole time there was something inside of me saying, someone has to do something. Someone has to do something. And as I look back in that moment, I I realized that that the someone that had to do something was me. I should have done something. I should have stepped up. I should have stopped it. I should have done something. And I don't know if you've had those moments where courage is required. And the world, in many ways, would tell us that we should avoid conflict. Don't, there's tension moments where you should just stay away from those kind of things. But God requires us, he calls us to be courageous in moments that are are worth it. And it's worth it for people. It's worth it for people and to stand up for people. I I love uh, the story that's in a a novel from Ah, But Your Land is Beautiful by author Alan Patton. And he tells the story of of Robert Mansfield, the headmaster of a school in South Africa. During the the days of apartheid, which is a cruel system of racial segregation, And when Mansfield's school was barred from competing against a black school, he finally took a stand against apartheid. And and in the process, he resigned his post as as schoolmaster. And a friend came to him and said, you know, you're going to be wounded for this. You're going to get scars from this. Don't you know that for for doing what you're doing? And this is what Mansfield replied. It says, when I, and he pointed up to heaven. So when I go up there, the big judge will say to me, where are your wounds? If I say I haven't any, he will say, Has there nothing to, was there nothing to fight for? I could not face that question. Couldn't face that question. There are some things that are worth fighting for. 
There are some things that are worth fighting for, and people are those things. We should be fighting and representing people and loving people and stepping in and and being advocates for people that don't have a voice in this world. I love what James 1, 27 says. This this has been convicting to me uh, this week. We we read this in Life Group uh, on Sunday night, and it says this, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you to represent those who can't represent themselves, those who are, are helpless, orphans, those who, who are, are, are having a hard time in the world, widows. And I would say this, a present-day widow for us, as we look around, is a single mom. We look around, and there's, we're in a fatherless generation, and there are some women who are doing an amazing job in this world. And there are some guys that are, are, are single dads, too. They're doing an amazing job. We need to be their advocates. We need to come beside them and say, listen, you're doing awesome. What can we do to help? What can we do to encourage and love you and to support you and rally beh- beside you? We need to be that voice. I love this. If, you, if, if I have a life verse, maybe this would be a good one for you. It's Micah 6, 8. Oh, people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to act justly, in the world, to love mercy and to walk humbly before your God. So have, to live a life of courage and conviction in this world. And Paul, he stood and proclaimed Jesus at a time where that wasn't very popular. You heard it in, in what he was saying. He was saying that, you know, I was, I was feeling this pressure from the Jews and being persecuted, but I, I stood and, and I, I stood for Jesus when a time it wasn't that easy. And what Paul would tell us, I think, is this, don't bow down to popular things. Don't, don't take a, a poll, a survey, to decide what truth is. We find truth in the person of Jesus Christ. That's where truth is found. And in fact, in, in Jesus' own words, it seems like the broad road that everyone is going on is not always the right road, is it? It's the narrow road, and we should be in tune to Jesus to know what those things are and to find that truth. So the question I would, I would have maybe for graduates and for us today are, what are our sources of truth? What are our sources? Where are you determining? How are you determining truth in your life? I, my, uh, my first year in the religion department at Trevecca, we have to write these exegetical papers, and they're, they're long, long papers uh, on one or two verses in the Bible. And in the first one I wrote, it was 28 pages long. Uh, it was like over one verse. I just spent tons and tons of time on this thing. I knew it was, a, you just know sometimes it's a home run. Like this, I mean, I can't do any better than this, okay? And I didn't expect a, a C. I didn't expect a B. I, I, this, is, this is the best I can do. Okay, this is an A. It's got to be an A. If it's not, I don't know what I'm talking about. I get it back, and I get a B minus, okay? A B minus. And I'm shocked. And I go to the professor, uh, you know, give me some help here. I, I need to find out why that it was, because I thought this. And it's, he said, well, I'll tell you why. I don't know if you were just, like, sleeping the first day, which is quite possible that I was. Uh, but I, I made it very clear that there are certain commentaries that you don't need to use. They're not very good sources. And in fact, if you use them in any way, I'm automatically going to deduct one grade from, so the A minus became a B minus, all right? So I learned pretty quickly, you gotta use the right sources, all right? You can, you can write the best paper in the world on something, 
But if you're not getting the right sources in your life, if you're not hearing the right voices in your life, then what you believe, you may believe it with all your heart, but what if it's not the truth? What if it's not the truth? And so, man, that, that was a hard lesson to learn, but it, it's a, lear, a lesson that we all need to learn is to choose wisely our, our, our resources and, and the things that are sources in our lives. Those people that you saw in the picture, my, my friends, man, this is, and this is a side note, choose your friends wisely. Those are some people that are, are, will speak to you. Your friends, those are the closest of close friends that I have. These are the people that, are, that easily can criticize me and say, listen, you're blowing it here. Okay? Now, your, your real friends are the only ones that will say that. The people that are just kind of the float around people of your life, they won't say that. We don't conflict or tension, but your real friends are the ones that are going to tell you this. Listen, I'm seeing this in your life. Man, you're going down a path that is going to lead you to destruction. I don't know if you see this in your marriage. I don't know if you see this in the way that you, you just are speaking and talking. Those are the people. Choose your sources wisely. The other sources, the word of God is living and active. And we need to be pouring it into our lives. We need to be pouring worship and words into our lives that are helping us to hear the voice of God loudly and clearly. And that's the source that we need to be seeking. Paul also says this. He says, guard yourself against yourself and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock. This is 28 and 29. His church purchased with his blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. I know that false teachers, like vicious wolves, will come in among you, and, and they're not going to spare the flock. They're wolves that are out there, things that will, will try to tear you apart. If we fast forward 30 years, the book of Revelation, there's this revelation to John, and John is on this island of Patmos, and he gets this vision and Jesus says, I've got some letters for you. I want you to send these to these churches. And one of these churches was the church of Ephesus. It was the first letter in, in chapter two of Revelation. And he says, tell this to the church in Ephesus. You have done great in this whole truth thing, this seeking truth and, and being on point with truth. You've done great with that. In fact, in that 30 years, there was this heresy that came about from the Nicolaitans. The Nicolaitans came about in this community and said, here is something you should believe. Or here's the truth. The truth is this. You know, as long as you come to church on Sunday, as long as you believe in your head the right things, your body, you can do whatever you want to with it. Party and do whatever. It, it, it doesn't matter as long as you believe the right things. But the, the, the church in Ephesus, they said, that's not right. That, that's not, that doesn't stack up to God's word. That doesn't, that doesn't translate. That, that's not true. And, and so they refuted that. And so in, in, in Revelation, he, he says, great job. You did great in that situation. You, you stepped up and, and, and you had the right sources. You were standing up for truth. But there's something, there's something that you've missed. You've forgotten. You remember this? You've forgotten your first love, your love for people. You might have said and stood for the right things, but as far as loving people, man, you're blowing it. And as far as a loving God... You might have the right theology. I don't know. There's much passion. There's much love for God. There's not much love for people. I was at District Assembly this year, and our uh, DS, our foreign pastor here, Dr. Johnson, I don't know if you know this, but he's knocking it out of the park as our DS. I mean, it's just, 
He's unbelievable. He's doing a great job. He's exactly where God, I think, uh, just has called him to be. He had a vote this last year. He only had one no vote out of 351, which is like, it's unheard of. Uh, so really cool. And he said something that just, just jumped out. I don't know if you've ever, you're in a sermon, you hear blah, 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 and then you hear something. Okay, it was blah, 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 and then I heard something. It was like, I got to remember that. That's good stuff. And he said this. He said, we need to be more concerned about living the truth instead of just declaring what we believe, okay? Now, here's what our generation is kind of stuck on right now. We're all about typing what we believe and letting the world know that way because we, that's a safe distance, okay? We can blog about some stuff. We can post about some stuff. But when it comes to living it out, okay, are you with me? And, and God has called us to live out our faith with love, with authenticity, okay? From a distance, things are a lot easier. And there's this phrase, and I, you've probably heard me talk about it before, slacktivism. Slacktivism is this word that kind of encompasses this, we should do this, this, and this, like let's, let's proclaim it, but let's don't really live it or do it or do anything about it. There's this cause that, uh, but when it, putting hands and feet to the cause and, and like being the, the, the person that's, something should be done about this, that's us. We need to step up and, and be that person. And Paul would say this, I think, to us. I hope that you live in a beautiful balance. We're able to love those around you while at the same time discerning and standing for the truth. Standing and standing for the truth. I think he would remind us too that, that we need to be a people of integrity. You need to be a people of integrity as you graduate and you, you move on and begin to make life choices. That you would live a life of transparency. I love this quote uh, from, I think it was Will Rogers. He said this, live so that you wouldn't be ashamed to sell the family parrot to the town gossip. <laughs> It'll take you a while to get that, okay? But we should live in a transparent life. And that's what he said to the people. You remember, I didn't hide anything. Paul said this to the church in Ephesus. There's nothing I, 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 I hid. I lived humbly and with tears before you. You know, I didn't even covet anyone's silver or gold. You, you, what you saw is what you got. Chuck Swindoll has this, uh, this quote, and I think this is powerful for us as parents. Uh, he says this, you want to mess up the minds of your children? Here's how, guaranteed. Rear them in a legalistic, tight context of external religion where performance is more important than reality. Fake your faith. Sneak around and pretend your, your spirituality. Train your children to do the same. Embrace a long list of do's and don'ts publicly, but hypocritically practice them privately. Yet never own up to the fact that it's hypocrisy. Act one way, but live another. And you can count on it. Emotional and spiritual damage will occur. Wow. Do you never know people that are never, ever wrong? They're never wrong, okay? There's some people that I know that, you know, they're, they're uh, maybe wrong, but they're never in doubt. They're never in doubt. And, and what I think I'm, I'm convinced more and more now that the integrity is not always doing the right thing. It's not always saying the right thing, because guess what? You're not always going to do the right thing. You're not always going to say the right thing. And I can guarantee you my wife and kids will, will uh, testify to that today. But I hope that my kids 
will say this. In the moments that I blew it, and man, I've blown it before, that I was able and I had integrity enough to say, listen, daddy, daddy messed up. And I'm sorry. I'm, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have acted that way. And those moments are the, the, the best teachable moments that you can have with your kids. They're the moments that, that authentic, authentic faith shines through us. And we should have more of those moments. Our downfall, as I, I look around at leadership and I'm more paying attention to leadership and how good leadership acts, the problem with leadership these days is not when people make bad mistakes as a, as a leader. Because mistakes are going to happen. But it's when they cover things up. And we're not transparent. And aren't we all guilty of that sometimes? We remember when we were a kid with our kids. What, what do we tell our kids? It's not that you did this wrong, but that you lied about it. You try to deceive me. And, and that's a lesson that we teach our kids, but it's one that we should live out. Our downfall is not when you do the wrong thing. Our downfall is when we hide and cover up the things that are wrong. And when you live in that fear that eventually you're going to be found out, that the phone call is going to come, the siren's going to come on behind you, and, and things are going to come out. The last observation uh, from Paul's speech in, in Ephesians to the, Ephes- the church in Ephesus is this. Uh, this is the thing he says here. Now I'm bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. There was a German physicist, and I'm sure I'll mess this up, but I'll try it anyway, Werner Heisenberg, not the Heisenberg you're thinking, uh, but Heisenberg was a physicist in the 20s, and he uh, actually won the Nobel Prize for quantum mechanics. The engineers in the room, hopefully ears are perking up, uh, but that was uh, one of the discoveries he made was, became famous for was, uh, was back in the day when determination, determinationism ruled the day, physicists believed in a clockwork, clockwork universe that was predictable and measurable. And what he concluded and what he found out was basically in the uncertainty principle that we cannot know the precise position and momentum of a quantum particle at the same time. Sometimes matter, I know you're laughing at me, Kurt. Sometimes matter behaves like a particle. It appears at one place at one time, but other times it acts like a wave and can appear at several places at the same time. Like a wave in the ocean, it has a duality nature to it. And the imprecise measurement of the initial conditions precludes the precise prediction of future outcomes. To get that? Okay, basically it's this. It's the uncertainty principle, all right? There are things that are uncertain, even in the scientific world. And let me tell you, graduates, teenagers, adults around, you can testify the future is uncertain. All right, it doesn't matter if you are the person in the room that's the control freak, that is a planner, and you know every minute of your day what you're doing. Okay, you've got a calendar for everything that happens throughout the day. You're ready to go. You lay your clothes out. You're pumped. You know, that could be you. Uh, Or there's the opposite end. It's the fly by the seat of the pants. Let's go with it kind of. uh, Carpe diem, acuna matata in there. And probably, let's be honest, we can learn from each other, right? A little bit. 
But the future is uncertain. No matter how much planning, there's things that come up. There's things that can come out of nowhere. And, and Pastor Eddie did a great job earlier. And what's your compass? What's the anchor in your life? When the things of life, the uncertainty, the, the, the winds and the waves and the storms of life come, what are you anchored into? What are the things that, that keep you focused on, on the right direction when, when things go, go crazy? I love this phrase that Paul says. He says this, I am bound by the Spirit. Now, in some other versions, you might have this, I'm compelled by the Spirit. I am held captive. It's this thing that, that leads and guides us, this Holy Spirit, that, this gift from Jesus that, that is inside of us that leads us to, to various places. And I have to tell you, it's, it's, it'll, it causes you to do things that in this world seem a little, a little crazy. We know that there's that phrase, I think it is, keep Austin weird. The Holy Spirit, if you are obedient to the Holy Spirit, Spirit, you're going to do some weird and wacky things compared to the rest of the world. It, it just will. And what the Holy Spirit calls us to do is this. In our world, and, and Christians are, are just as guilty of this, we say this. We say, God, you're a part of my story. But what the Holy Spirit calls us to do, and what, what Paul is saying here is this. I'm going to Jerusalem. I don't know what's ahead, but God has called me to go there. I, don't, I know that the Spirit is telling me this. It's probably going to lead to jail. It's probably going to lead to tough times, but this is God's call. This is where God's directing me, and he's leading me. But, and what he's saying is this. God is not a part of my story. I am a part of God's story. And there is a huge, huge difference when you live that way. God, I'm a part of your story. I'm a part of something bigger than myself, and I am excited and can't wait to see what you're going to do in my life next. And that leads you to wild and wacky places. It, it reminds me of a friend of mine, Taylor. A couple years back, he had it all planned out. He knew where he was going to school, what he was going to do, and God began, his spirit began to speak to him and said, I, I think there's another direction for your life. I'm going to send you to this little school in Oklahoma, and there, you're going to study ministry, worship ministry. And guess what? You're going to meet a girl there. And guess what? I'm going to send you to Minnesota. Who goes to Minnesota? Okay, that's weird and wacky, folks, okay? You, that has to be a God thing if you're going to Minnesota, all right? Sometimes the Spirit of God tells you to do some crazy things, kids. It might tell you to break up with someone that's leading you down the wrong direction. It might call you to, you to change careers completely. There are some people in this room, if they could talk to you one-on-one, -on -one, they are stuck in jobs that's like a prison. And they want more than anything to be doing something that matters with their life, living and, and investing in others. Obey the Holy Spirit and, and what you do and what God calls you to do. He might call you to another country. He might call you to five minutes away from your house. That's the way the Spirit works. It's weird and wacky. Sometimes he'll say, you know what? This summer, I want you to do something completely different. I want you to go to Thailand, and I want you to give your summer in Thailand. I want you to serve and love people there. And guess what? You might meet someone that you live the rest of your life with and now have a baby with. And that just, I feel very old, by the way. I just want to state that. Congratulations. Uh, and I just announced that. So there you go. <laughs> He might tell you to do some other crazy things, like apologize to someone that you need to apologize to and make things right with. 
because that's the way the Spirit works in us. He might tell you that, you know what, there's some things in your life that aren't right. And he convicts us. And he convicts, must kind of like what he did with me this week, and said, you know what, you're pretty passionate about a lot of things. Are you more passionate about those things, like college football, more than you are about me? <sighs> I hate those. Sometimes God calls you to do crazy things, like we were in an airport once, and uh, you know how you get your, your flight changed? Like they say, if there's anybody here that would like to take a voucher, and, you know, stay here for another four hours and, and wherever it is, we're gonna give you like future flights and money and whatever. Uh, we had one of those moments uh, once our family did and we had, I think, I think there were four of us at the time. And so we're like, you know, we'll, we'll hold out. If they get to X number advertising this vouchers, we're taking them, baby. Uh, it got to like a ridiculous, they were giving us like $500 a person times four in the future. We fly a lot. It's tough. It's expensive, okay? And so we get these vouchers like, we're going to Hawaii. We'll leave the kids at home, whatever. And then I get a call one day, and my wife, who I told you this before, much better Christian than I am, she says, there's this, there's this woman, and her grandmother just passed away, and she needs money for a flight. I think we should give those vouchers or some of those vouchers to her. And so immediately I have that moment where like, I can't say this out loud, but I'm like, Hawaii! And you're like, that's the Holy Spirit. Absolutely, we should do that. Absolutely, we should do that. That's the way the Holy Spirit works. When you're compelled and you're captive to him, you, you begin to follow him wherever he leads, and maybe that leads to a place where you say, I need to sell this. I need to give that money away to people that need it. I need to live in a smaller house because we can max out and we can be stressed every month, or we can be a people that are generous and loving and help others that don't have. That's the kind of stuff the Spirit does. And if you guide, lead, if you live and, and, and live a life that's courageous and faithful to that, he's going to give you an adventure, like Eddie said. Last thing, there's this uh, guy who I love to hear, uh, and, and I'm a good person to Google and listen to some of his stuff. His name's Tony Campolo, and uh, he, was at, he spoke at my NYC back in, way back in the day in 1995, but he's awesome. He's just a great storyteller. He reminds me, do you remember George Costanza on Seinfeld, his dad, Frank Costanza, who can't control the vibe of his voice? He's just Italian guy, he just, who's loud and probably spits a lot when he talks, and just energetic and fantastic. And uh, uh, Tony, he, he uh, very early age began to go to, and this seems weird, Italian guy, Philadelphia. He, he's, he is one of the only white guys at an African-American church, predominantly African-American, which I don't know if you've ever been to a church uh, mostly African-American. It is amazing. There is a spirit that's there. And I think Man, I, I love the diversity of our church. It, it's, it's becoming more and more diverse, and praise God for that. I think that is what heaven will look like. And he, he talks about his church and, and how much he loves the pastor and loves being a part and how responsive people are. And by the way, I love it when you're responsive. I don't know if you know this, but the worship team loves it when you're responsive, okay? We don't like to look at zombies out there, okay? This is an us together thing as we worship and as we, we praise and we get into God's word. And, and he was talking, he said, you know, I've, I've preached there before and it's great because there are some times where I'm bombing. 
I mean, I know that a sermon, and, and by the way, you know that. About when you're like 15 minutes in, you're like, man, this is going nowhere. Let's just go to lunch. And someone would yell out, Jesus, be with him. And he's like, he is with me. And then suddenly the sermon turns around. And he talks about this Sunday at his church, Graduate Sunday. And every Sunday that they had this Graduate Sunday, they, they bring the graduates up. They talk about where they're going to school, what they're going to do. And they announce the names and they say, well, this person, Johnny, is going to Harvard. And he's going to study law. And this, you know, Sally, she's going to, to study music here at wherever. This person's going to be an engineer. He's going to MIT. And, and what happens every time someone's name and a thing pops out, a title or school, there's like these groans and excitement. And it's the grandmothers and the grandfathers in the room that they're just so proud. And they're getting opportunities, these kids, that, that they didn't have growing up. And so it's just beautiful sounds of the church of encouragement. She says it's the sweetest song that you will ever hear. And uh, the pastor got up this one Sunday of his church, and he said, kids, and I, I can't be as a wordsmith as he is, and I'm not going to spit or yell at you. He said, but kids, let me tell you something. One day, we're going to come into a building like this, and you are going to be in a box. And eventually, we're going to put you in a hole in the ground, and we're going to kick some dirt on it. And we're going to go back to the church, and we're going to eat potato salad afterwards. And one day, we'll, we'll do that. But let me tell you this, when we get there, we're going to be saying some things about you. You see, when you, when you came into this world, you cried and everybody else laughed and rejoiced. When you die, hopefully you'll be laughing and rejoicing and everybody else will be crying. He said, if you think about the Bible, and, and, and this, his pastor did this, he said in five minutes time, he, he had this ability to go through the entire Bible. And he said, listen, there's people in the Bible there's people like King Pharaoh, and he had a title. He had a great title. He was king, he was Pharaoh of the people. But Moses, Moses had the testimony. Moses had a testimony. Think about King Darius, the guy that, that threw Daniel in the lion's den. He was king, he had a title, but Daniel, he had a testimony of a life well lived. There's, there's Jezebel. Okay, Queen Jezebel. She had a title, queen, great title, good to have title. But, but Elijah, he had the testimony. You can live your entire life, and this is for everybody, and you could seek titles, and you can seek likes on social media, and you can seek accolades and paychecks and all of these things, and some of those things are good. But at the end of the day, when you are a, a person in a box and we kick some dirt on you and we eat potato salad afterwards, it's more important to have testimony of a life well lived. That you invested and you stood for things that mattered and you loved people. And you stood for truth and you sought truth in everything that you do. This morning, at the end of, of this thing with Paul, what does he do? He gathered around the people of the church. They prayed together, and they cried together. And they loved each other, they hugged each other, and they left. This morning, this is what I want us to do. We, we've saved kind of a family prayer time, and I'm gonna invite graduates to come up, and we're gonna invite folks to come around them, to pray with them. 
But we're not going to just have this time just for graduates. Maybe you're, maybe you're a trans, person in transition right now. Maybe you're a person that, that graduated a few years back. And you need to, to set your compass and look at your compass and, and, and the direction God has for you. And you need to be listening to his voice. And you need to say, God, help me to hear better and help me to be obedient. Maybe you're a person today that says, I need to, to stand for truth and do that in a loving way. These altars are open. We're going to sing a song, and it's a great song. We sang it a couple of weeks ago with dedication when we said, I surrender all. Maybe some parents this morning, are, you need to remember that, that you surrendered your kids a long time ago, and you're still doing that today. When you say, I trust you, God, I trust you. Be with my, my kid. Be with my baby as they go. I wish I could be with them every moment, but I can't. But I know that you are. So this morning as we sing I Surrender All, just invite you to come. Everyone, you can stand up. And the altars, there's altars here, there. There's steps everywhere. Graduates, come. Folks, come if you need to pray this morning. Let's go before our God. You can find a place to, to be comfortable as we pray. God, we recognize you today. God, you are a great and mighty God. Thank you for our time that we've had with you. It's been good to worship you, to acknowledge you, to recognize that you are God and we are not. And we are so desperate for you in our lives. God, we need you in every moment. God, forgive us those moments that we just take control of everything and we leave your spirit out of it. God, and we stop listening. God, I pray that you would open our ears to your Holy Spirit in our lives. God, help us to seek your truth through your word, Lord, through conversation, through everything. God, we want to be more like you. We want to be holy. We want to live a life following you, God, wherever that takes us, Lord, where it be as missionaries or as teachers or as whatever it is, God, Lord, help us to speak truth and love to people around us, God. Lord, help us not to be judgmental, but be a people of mercy, God, and a people that can say truth truth in a way, God, that is, is, is straight from your mouth, eye to eye, Lord. Help us not to throw arrows or stones through a computer, but Lord, help us to, to speak it with our voices in truth, Lord. God, help us to represent you, to be our, your ambassadors of grace and reconciliation in this world, God. Lord, give us wisdom and discernment and strength of how to do that. God, right now we lift up those who are here. God, we think about our graduates this morning. God, we thank you for the moments that we've had with them. We thank you, Lord, for this gift of kids. And God, quite confessionally, I come to you as a parent. And sometimes, Lord, I just feel so um, inadequate. Lord, and we need your help. We need your strength into how to be better parents, Lord. And God, thank you for this moment in life where we celebrate this accomplishment, God, as parents and, and kids come together today. Lord, we thank you for just the way that you've been with us in the last several years, God, and helped along the way. Some, some days were not easy, but God, we, we recognize your, your help and, and your mercy in those days, Lord. And God, we pray for future days. Lord, we know that this is not a goodbye. This is not a see you forever gone. But Lord, we feel like that this in this transition moment, God, we know that it feels like adulthood is, is here. Lord, we just pray for your help. Lord, we pray for your wisdom and, and protection around these kids, Lord, as they begin to make major life decisions. God, I pray that they would include you in all these things, Lord. The big things, the big decisions that come up, but the small things as well, God, where they are living for you daily, Lord. Not just in the moments where they run to you and 
well, what's your will for this or that, God? But Lord, every day chasing and trusting after you, Lord, in their lives, Lord, giving their life as an offering to you, God. I pray that you would watch after them, God. The moments they are far away, God, that you would convict them, that you would bring them back to you, God, that they would run away from evil and those that would want to bring them down, these wolves that are out there, God. Lord, I ask that you would just give them an alarm in their hearts, in their head, that when that moment comes, Lord, that they will hear that alarm and they will run, and they will run away from, from danger, Lord, and, and dangerous pathways, Lord. God, I ask that you would be with everyone around these altars right now, God, that are seeking you and their, your will for their life, God. Lord, we, we pray for healing. Lord, we pray for Lord, there's places where people are physically hurt today, Lord, relationally, just inside are hurting. Lord, we pray for that you would be a great physician today, Lord. God, I pray that you would be tomorrow as it just thinks it just popped in my mind. Lord, I pray that you'd be with Sawyer's operation tomorrow. God, I ask that you'd be with the doctors and Lord, help them and guide their hands tomorrow, Jesus. Protect and watch over him tomorrow and especially his parents, Jesus, as they are are thinking and worry about these things as any of us would. God, I pray that you'd go with us this week. As we leave this place, may we be your representatives in this world, Jesus. May we, Lord, just, just passion and love and hope would just come out of our, our mouths, Lord, and they would be, it would be seen in our eyes, Lord, in the way that we live our lives, Jesus. God, we're grateful today. We pray all these things, and we lift all these things before you, Jesus, and we thank you, God. We thank you for what you're going to do in advance. We pray in, in your name. And everybody said, amen, amen.